You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Unwrapped, Part 2 of 2. Enjoy. Last Sunday was the last Sunday before Christmas. You like my Christmas sweater? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer told me Eden was instrumental in picking this one out. So thanks, Eden. I like it. God is good. Um, and last uh, Sunday, we began talking about the gift that God is giving us. And I like this picture. I like that look on the child's face. And that's the expression I want to see on you in 2016. All right? See, the devil wants to, to steal that from you, right? But I want to see you glowing when, when we meet and light on your face because of God's love for you, because of the confidence in your heart of what he's doing in your lives and his faithfulness to, f- to complete his promises. Are we rolling back there, guys? You know, awesome. Thank you. Hallelujah. So last week we said that the heart of God was unwrapped through Jesus Christ. And boy, is that huge. And religions tried to wrap it back up so you can't find it. But the heart of God has been unwrapped through Jesus Christ. In other words, God's will for you, God's love for you has been openly revealed through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And you can know exactly how much God loves you and exactly what he wants to do in your life by coming into relationship with the gift that he's given us. And this this wrapped gift in Bethlehem that was lying in a manger 2,000 years ago was the beginning of the goodness of God being ushered into the earth like never before in history. And we read a scripture, we're going to read it again this week in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. It was, it was a time unlike any other on planet earth. The baby Jesus came forward. He was conceived in the womb of a virgin without any help from man. No strategies, no plans of man brought him about. It was all God's doing. What a great relief it is to let God bring about his plans in your life, knowing it doesn't depend on your smarts and intuition and strength and ability. It depends on his faithfulness. And, and the, this was such a powerful moment. Heaven was so thrilled when that, that supernatural baby came forward that the glory of God was manifest in the fields of Bethlehem. And the shepherds of God saw the, the manifested glory of God and they were afraid. Boy, I would have liked to have been there in that field just to, to watch it. And as they're standing there on this special night, this, this world-changing night of, of salvation, and the glory of God is manifest around them, and they're afraid, an angel appears to them and speaks to them in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, and says, don't be afraid. Don't miss this moment. Fear will cause you to miss what I have for you, so don't give in to fear. Don't be afraid. Behold this glory. Grab a hold of what I'm doing through this baby. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to everybody, everywhere, for all time. Verse 11, for there is born to you this day. 
in the city of David a savior. What is he a savior from? Anything and everything that would make you afraid. He saved you from it. He's not an irrelevant savior. He's relevant to the issues of your daily life. And he saved you from anything and everything that would make you afraid every day of your life. Christ the Lord. Verse 12. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And here, that was it. Heaven couldn't take it anymore. The angels just burst onto the scene, and suddenly there's a, a multitude of angels, heavenly hosts, myriads and myriads of these uh, heavenly beings that filled the sky, and they're, they're opening up their mouths, and they're praising God, and they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth. That's where you live. Where you live, Christ the Savior has come. Where you live, peace. Irene, wholeness. Well-being, prosperity. Where you live in goodwill towards everybody and every nation and every tongue and every tribe. And we said last week that the, the fact that Jesus was wrapped in human flesh conveys to us a God who knows where we live, a God who understands us and knows what we've been through and knows what we're dealing with, and a God that longs to show himself strong in your daily life. Peace, wholeness, goodwill on earth, in your home, in your marriage, in your life, on your job. We don't have a God who's cold and indifferent to what we've been through, but a God waiting to reveal himself to you who has made rich provision for you in every area of your lives. And at Highway Church, boy, more than anything, we want to see you and many, many others unwrap this amazing gift and experience Jesus Christ. So we talked about the gift last week. We saw that all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, God began telling us of the gift that he was going to give. You'll see it all throughout the Old Testament. Not only did he tell us about the gift, but he described in detail the benefits and the results of the gift for all those who would believe and receive. But today we're not going to talk so much about the, the gift as we are about unwrapping the gift. How do you unwrap this supernatural gift that God has given us in the midst of a world full of fear and unexpected things and people doing things that, that you may think people should never do where evil is roaming the streets? How do you unwrap and experience this peace, this great joy, this strength, this abundant life that Christ came to give you? Well, if you go to religion, and ask them that question, they will uh, gladly provide for you a very long and arduous rule book 
um, that, and tell you that if you will go through this rule book and this book of doctrines, that it will increase your chances, hopefully, of maybe experiencing some of the life Christ came to give you, but probably not. But if you'll come to Jesus, you will get a very different response from him. He will not give you a long, arduous list. He will not give you a complicated answer that takes you a lifetime to figure out. He will give you a very simple answer. It is so simple that you may balk at it and reject it because the fallen nature has become very skilled at making things difficult. And sometimes, just out of fear and anxiety, we have built up walls in our lives for years. So when the simple promise of God comes into our lives, it's very hard for us to embrace it. Can I give you his simple answer? How do you unwrap the gift that God has given us? How do you experience the fulfillment of his promises in your life? You ready? Become like a child. Become like a child. Remember this in 2016. Become like a child. And then come to him like a child. Matthew chapter, uh, let's see, let's go to Matthew chapter 18. Put it up on the screen for you. See that child's face? That's you and your Father, your Heavenly Father. Become like that. Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. And here his disciples, Jesus' disciples arguing over who's the greatest. And Jesus says, And truly I say to you, unless you are converted, that means a change takes place, right? Unless you are converted, and become like children. You shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, you got to know one of the reasons God put me in your life is to dereligify you, right? <laughs> what do I mean by that? Well, look at this phrase here. Unless you become like children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is not talking about going to heaven. He's talking about experiencing God's will for your life today. Unless you're converted and become like children. I've never met a child with a bachelor's degree or a master's or a doctorate. Unless you're converted and become like children. In other words, this is accessible to everybody. It couldn't be simpler. Nothing's easier than acting like a child. Have you guys ever seen that movie Elf? I saw it for the first time. <laughs> Good example of acting like an elf, a child. I thought that was funny. Cracked me up. <laughs> this word enter here. Boy, has religion robbed so many of this. This word enter is the Greek word, pardon my uh, pronunciation. It's homai. You shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. It literally means you shall not come into. But if you study it in the Vines Expository Dictionary and the related words to it, it's, it, it, it speaks of a passageway. 
that becoming like a child enables you to come into an opening, a pore, to cross a ford and take you from one place to another. Unless you're converted and become like a child, like that boy's face right there, right? You can't pass from the natural into the supernatural. Because you'll get all bound up in your reasoning and in your, in your, in all, in your own efforts and your own strength. But that's not us. We're a bunch of kids here, aren't we? Right? Now, remember Nicodemus had a problem when Jesus talked like this to him, right? When he talked about being born again, Nicodemus said, what are you talking about? What is Jesus saying, become like a child? We all have to crawl back into our mother's womb? Well, that doesn't make any sense. What does he mean, become like a child? Children are quick to believe. He's talking about faith, isn't he? We watched one of my favorite Christmas movies this past week. It's the classic black and white version of Miracle on 34th Street. How many people have seen the, that movie? I like that movie. That's a great one. But, you know, in that movie, it's a story of this little girl whose mother has taught her not to believe, right? Don't believe in Santa. Don't believe in fairy tales. Don't believe uh, in things that require you to use your imagination and if you, if you remember the film, we learn why this mother has taught her daughter these things later on in the film. You remember why? Because her mother was hurt by the man that she bore that child with. He ran out on her, and he ran out on her daughter, and they were left alone. And one of the greatest obstacles to becoming like a child is unforgiveness and hurt and disappointment. And if you've been living on planet Earth like me, chances are you've had your share of that. <laughs> so who's hurt you? Who's run out on you? See, when, you, when someone hurts you, our response is to put up a wall, right? And the, the, the natural response to, to, to being hurt as we grow from childhood into adulthood is we become skeptical because we've been hurt. And that's a safeguard, and that's not all bad because God's not talking about trusting men. He's talking about trusting him. So we're not like children with people. We don't automatically accept what people tell us. Right? We don't believe anything anyone says to us. That would be foolish. He's talking about a relationship with the Father. With the Father, you can trust him without question and reservation. A child trusts his father without even thinking about it. <laughs> I could have told my kids anything when they were little. And they would believe me. Yeah. And it was kind of fun as parents to do that, you know. You just tell them, see what they're going to believe. <laughs> and now they figured me out. So they've gotten wiser. But a child, boy, runs to their dad without any fear of hurt, 
when dad comes home, man, the child runs into his arms. It's a safe place. And maybe you didn't know that safe place. I didn't know that place growing up. But in 2016, you're going to know that safe place in your heavenly father's arms. A lifetime of hurt healed and hearts made new in 2016. Thank you for it, Lord. So God began to speak this to me. It wasn't long after I got saved. Probably, I don't know, maybe four to six months. And, I mean, I grew up, went through some challenges with my family, and, and I, I saw a lot of uh, pain, and I had a lot of hatred inside of me for my dad because of the things that went on in my life, in my mom's life. And, and I, at one point, I really wanted to end his life. And I got saved as a young man, and I was sitting in my apartment reading my Bible. It was in Matthew chapter 18. And it was a parable of the uh, servant who owed a debt to his master that he couldn't repay. And his master was uh, sending him off to prison, and he pleaded with his master. And not only did the master not send him to prison, but he completely forgave him of his entire debt. Can you relate to that? And then that, that servant who had been forgiven of a massive debt that he could never repay went about his life, and when he came in contact with a friend of his that owed him a few bucks, he grabbed him by the collar and shook him and said, pay me or you're going to jail. And the, the, the benevolent master heard about this servant's behavior, and he called him and he said, how could you do that to that man? After I've forgiven you and God spoke to my heart, he said, how can you hold unforgiveness in your heart to your dad after I've forgiven you of every sin you've ever committed? None of us can. None of us can keep unforgiveness in our heart because of what God has forgiven us from. And I fell on my knees in my apartment. I said, God, I forgive my dad for everything he ever did to my mother, my sisters, my brother and me. I forgive him and I love him and I didn't feel like it. And there are times after that I got so mad things would happen and I'd and I'd feel that anger rise back up me from years ago. And I'd say, no, I've forgiven my father. I've forgiven my father. Father, bless him. Show yourself to him. Let him know you in a very real way. And I'd begin to pray for him every time that anger or that unforgiveness would try and come back. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Those painful memories from the past come back. Say, I've forgiven them. Bless them, Lord. Show yourself to them. Don't allow your heart to become hard. It will block what God wants to do in your life. So Jesus makes this so simple. Be like a child. I mean, Matthew chapter 7, 11. We'll start in verse 9 of Matthew 7. Did we ever read Mark 10? I don't think we did, did we? Well, that's all right. It, it's, it's basically what he said in Matthew 18. Let's just go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 9. This is Jesus talking now. And look how simple that is. Don't really let religion complicate it for you. What man is there among you 
If his son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Easy, right? Easy peasy. One plus one equals two. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. That's ridiculous. Every one of us completely understands this, right? Easy. It's not difficult. So simple. Well, if you then, being evil, we've all fallen short, right? Know how to give good gifts to your children. There isn't one of us who doesn't know how to give a good gift to a child. And we are people who've fallen short of the glory of God. If we know how to give good gifts to children, if we wouldn't hurt a child, how much more will your Father who is in heaven, who's perfect, by the way, give good things to those who ask him? Doesn't get any simpler than that. There isn't one of us here who would break a child's arm to teach them something. Yet religion has taught that about God to millions. That God causes tragedies and sickness and all of these things to teach us something. Some unknown spiritual concept that Jesus never taught. And it's a lie. Nothing will rob you of his promises like the lies of the enemy. James chapter 1, verse 17, sounds like the same Holy Spirit that was speaking through Jesus. He said, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, not tragedy, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. 1 Timothy 6, 17, this is Paul the apostle, the man who had Christ, who Christ appeared to directly and gave him the revelation of this new covenant that we're reading today. And he's mentoring this young pastor named Timothy, and he says, charge them in verse uh, 17, that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who wants them to be poor. No. No. Who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. This is our Father. Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. You see, knowing the goodness of God is essential to becoming like a child. If you don't know he's good, you're not going to want to be like a child around him. Your guard's going to be up. You're going to be afraid. You're not going to be able to trust him because you think he's going to hurt you. And boy, can I understand that. I was like on pins and needles growing up because I never knew when my dad was going to explode. But our father is not like that. And you're going to know that like never before in 2016. Hallelujah. Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed. What does that word mean? Happy, prosperous, successful, to be envied is the man who takes refuge in him. How can you take refuge in him if you don't know he's good? you got to be twisted. I wouldn't. I wouldn't take refuge in someone that kills people with tornadoes. No way. 
No way. There's no refuge in that. Verse 9, fear the Lord, you as saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. What does fear the Lord mean? Live in awe of him. Live in awe of the Lord, you his sons and daughters, for those who live in awe of him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I love that. That's a face of wonder and awe, isn't it, that little boy? That's how we're living, right? Live in awe of him in 2016. Hallelujah. John 10.10. You'll hear this verse regularly at Highway Church, and I don't apologize for it. It's the very heart of Jesus, the one we worship. And he says very clearly, draws a very clear line between God and the devil. He says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. In, In stark contrast to him, I have come, that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The Amplified says, I came that they may have and enjoy, there's that word enjoy again, life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. The New Living Translation makes it plain and says, my purpose is to give them a rich, there's that word again, to give them a rich and satisfying life. And the writer of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 tells us that without faith, Without this childlike confidence, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to him, you're not going to come to him if you don't know he's good, must know that he is, that he is what? That he is everything you've ever longed for and so much more. That he is the today answer to your today problems. And that he is a rewarder not a punisher, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Are you ready to be like a child? It can be frightening, especially if you've been hurt, you know. Remember, we're not, just, we're not blindly trusting people. We're not blindly trusting God. With our eyes open, we're trusting God because he has revealed himself. There's no darkness about him, Right? We're openly trusting God, and we understand that what, what's in man, and, and, the, and we're, not, we're not giving ourselves to people. We're giving ourselves to Him. And the confidence that comes from trusting Him enables us to love people who might want to hurt us or who have hurt us, right? Enables us to be kind to people who aren't kind to us, right? Children are good at that. Boy, they forgive quickly, don't they? <laughs> They could be in a fight one moment and playing, you know, ball the next, right? Quick to forgive. Hallelujah. So we become like a child and we come to him, not to people. We're not trying to get people to, 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 to solve our problems. We come to him. We're not trying to get our spouse to be everything we want them to be. We're not trying to get our friends, our family, our children, or our boss 
to solve our problems. We're coming to Jesus. We're coming to our Father. We're coming to Him. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, He says, Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I personally will give to you personally rest. Take my yoke upon you. You see this relationship here? You and him. Him and you. Right? There's a relationship going on here. You coming to him and him strengthening you. Him giving you rest. He's the giver, isn't he? We really don't have anything we can give him. Right? What are you going to get him? A Fitbit? Right? No, he's fit. Right? You can give him your heart. Right? Your love. Your worship. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. Oh, I like that. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Learn directly from me. Are you telling me that you personally can be tutored by God? Yes, every day. Learn from me, not the latest book. Not the, the, the most esteemed educational institution. I want you to personally come to me and personally learn from me by my word and through my spirit. Oh, there's a change right there in 2016, right? Where you're not going to run to Google anymore for the answers you need. Now, we can use Google. I use it, right? But when you've got issues in your life, you're going to go to him, right? You go to him and you use Google to find a good deal at a restaurant, right? But for your life issues, you're going to him now. Come on, right to him. It's a passageway, right? Right to him. For he's gentle. See, that puts us at ease. I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to break you. I'm going to heal you. And you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. So we said before, uh, to, toward, uh, during our worship time, that you're going to be like a, a pot roast in a crock pot in 2016 where you're just going to sit yourself down in God's promises and just roast in them. Right? Let the heat and fire of his promises cook you, <laughs> strengthen you. Make you strong. You see, his promises are paramount to being like a child. One of the things that makes kids so excited at Christmas is usually mom and dad have made a promise to him, right? I mean, it gets harder and harder to hide our gifts from our kids as they get older. But we, we tell them we can't stand for no peeking around here. So we've got gifts in the garage and all kinds of different places. And, uh, but boy, they're excited, for Christmas. Judah, he said, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing. He said, I get tingly on Christmas Eve, he said, <laughs> when he goes to bed. What is that? That's expectation, right? Anticipation. When I get up, something good's going to happen, right? Something good's going to happen, right? God wants you to have that tingly when you go to bed. Go ahead. He's that good. So when you fill yourself up with his promises, Childhood begins. 
His promises will bring you in to that childlike faith. His promises not only reveal his will to us, but produce the faith in us to experience his will. So 2016 is the year of baking in his promises, basking in his promises. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. And you'll see why I talk so much about his promises. And sometimes people hear messages like this, oh, you just talk about the goodness of God and the promises of God. You must be greedy. And that's because they don't understand how, who God is and how we experience him. Verse 2, and this is the Holy Spirit, right, writing through Peter. And he says, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, not your expense, my son's expense, and peace, irene, wholeness. God's riches in Christ's expense and wholeness be multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And don't go to the next verse yet. He's going to use this word twice, this word knowledge. And this word knowledge in the Greek is epinosis, and I'll read to you what I pulled out of Strong's uh, Concordance and Vine's Expository Dictionary. In this context, this word knowledge conveys the thought of knowledge which is fuller, larger, and much more thorough. It conveys the, the knowledge that comes through the intimacy of a personal relationship. It conveys the knowledge, Vine says, that is exact, complete, thorough, accurate, experiential. Not just abstract, intellectual, head knowledge of God or even facts about him. This is Psalm 34, 8 knowledge, taste, knowledge, where you are tasting of him and you know that he's good. Right? Taste him. Verse 3. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us what? Everything pertaining to life and godliness. Why hasn't that been preached consistently? Everything pertaining to life and godliness. There it is again, through the epinosis, through the knowledge that comes by tasting him, through that personal, intimate knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and excellence. And here's verse 4. This is why we major on his promises. Verse 4, for by these, that's his glory and excellence, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. Why? So that by them, and it's the only way, you may become partakers of him. Of his very nature. How do I unwrap the gift that God has given me through faith in his promises? But what do I do if I don't see the promises fulfilled in my life? What do I do when the circumstances around me seem to, to uh, indicate everything contrary to what I'm believing God for? 
I worship him. I speak his promises to the situation. One of his promises is that we have the authority of Christ delegated to us by Jesus to take authority over situations and circumstances. See, you can't afford to not fill your mind and heart and mouth with his promises. His promises are the passageway to his presence. His promises are the open door into his will and plan and purpose for your life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you don't have to put it up there, but it's one of the very first verses that I ever memorized in 1989, and it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's every bit of you, right? And lean not on your own noggin your own right ability to understand things, but in all your ways acknowledge or know him. Right? Taste him in every way. Know him in your daily life, and he, confess him, that word also means, know him, confess him, affirm him in your daily life, and he will direct your pass. Uh, um, Verse 7, what does it say? Um, Do not be wise in your own eyes, right? Live in awe of the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to, to your flesh and strength to your bones. I think the New Living Translation says your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. You see, I put that in my heart 26 years ago, and I won't let anything take it out. And boy, have I seen God do it. There are times in my life where it looked like it was over for me, like I was going to fail at everything I ever dreamed of. But in the midst of those challenges, when discouragement feels like a a big uh, (laughs) flow of lava trying to cover you, You stand up and declare that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not lack. He causes me to be victorious. He causes me to triumph through Christ Jesus. His plan and purpose will be fulfilled in my life. God is unwrapped in Jesus. Right? What about Philippians 4? What do you do when it doesn't seem like things are happening or, or, the, or just it seems like everything that is contrary to what God has promised me is happening in my life? Philippians 4, the Holy Spirit spoke to Paul and had him, had him write it for us today. He said, rejoice, delight, gladden yourself. That makes no sense to the world, right? You're in the midst of maybe a life-threatening situation and you're praising God. You're rejoicing. Why? Because we realize that there is a greater power at work in us that's, that's infinitely stronger than what's going on around us, that greater is Christ in us than he that is in this world. So in the midst of challenging situations, there's a smile on our face, and we're praising and rejoicing in him. We're delighting and gladdening ourselves in him, and we're letting the peace of Christ, which transcends and surpasses our understanding, lead the way. Last verse, Romans 8, 31. What shall we say then? 
in response to these things. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, if God wants to do these amazing things in our lives, who can be against us? Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give? Let's say those two words together. Freely give. Come on. Freely give. That's from God to you. No strings attached. I, I quivered when a gift was given in my home because I knew there were strings attached. And I knew that maybe just a week later, those were strings were going to start to be pulled. I just gave this to you. So now you have to do this. That's not God. He is void of manipulation. His only motive ever is love. Freely give us all things. So are you going to unwrap his gift in 2016? Now, we still got four days left here of 2015. So don't, don't, uh, don't uh, turn off your expectation. Because four days is a lot of time for God. One day is like a thousand years to him. God doesn't want his gift to stay wrapped. He wants it to be unwrapped and experienced every day of our lives. Father, we thank you for this time together this morning, worshiping you, rejoicing in you. We thank you for speaking to our hearts, for healing hearts in here, hearts that have been wounded and hurt and scarred. We thank you, Lord God, for everyone who hears this message through the Internet, for healing broken hearts, for mending lives, and giving people that childlike expectation that tingly feeling when they get up in the morning, knowing how much you love them, and that you freely have given us all things. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.